Welcome to Take 10, a 10-minute podcast series by the Great Lakes MHTTC that focuses on self-care and personal well-being. Your host is Mark Sanders, and thank you for joining us today. Today, we will talk about time management as a self-care strategy. I'll begin with a story about a painting called The Praying Hands. Painting The Praying Hands was painted by a man by the name of Albrecht Dürer during the 15th century in Germany. From the time he was a little boy, he always wanted to be an artist. So did his brother Albert. The problem was they had 18 siblings and they were really poor. And the two brothers, Albert and Albert, decided they would flip a coin. And whoever lost a coin toss would go and work in the coal mines to send the other one to art school. And then upon graduation, they would switch roles. Albert won the coin toss. And he went to a famous art school in Nuremberg, Germany. He distinguished himself as the greatest artist in all of Germany the four years he was in school. Upon graduation, they held a dinner for him in a small town. And everyone was praising him on his incredible artistic talent, especially his father. He looked at his father and said, Dad, instead of praising me, you ought to praise my brother Albert. He was the one that went and worked in a coal mine to send me to art school. He looked at Albert and said, Albert, now that I've gone to art school, it's your turn, and I'll go and work in the coal mines to support you. Tears welled up in Albert's eyes, and he held his hands up, and he said, My dear brother, while you were away in art school, every bone in both of my hands were crushed from having worked in the coal mine. He said, in addition to that, I caught a case of arthritis so bad last year in my hands from working in the coal mines, I could barely lift this fork to eat, let alone operate a paintbrush. He said, no, my dear brother, I won't be going to art school. And Albert took a good look at his brother's hands, and he painted his brother's hands. Those are the hands behind the painting of the praying hands. If you ever see the painting again, I invite you to look at it really closely. What you notice, there's lots of scrapes, scratches, and bruises on these hands. Of course, he got those in the coal mines as well. What it said to me is behind every success, there are people behind the scenes that rarely get credit. In this era of economic recession and COVID-19, you are some of the people behind the scenes making a difference. Thank you for the important work that you do. Individuals experiencing capacity fatigue and burnout are often leading lives that are out of balance. An important part of recovery from capacity fatigue involves putting first things first, which involves time management. I read a book called What the Most Successful People Do Before 9 a.m. You see, many of us start work at 9 a.m. And what the author suggests is that if you're going to have balance and get more life in, what you do before 9 a.m. is really, really important. So the author talked about the three things people do, the most successful people do, before 9 a.m. They either develop their body by starting an exercise routine in the morning before they go to work, or they develop their spirit. They might pray or meditate or read, read from their religious texts. Or they make sure before 9 a.m. they improve their relationship. Perhaps they have breakfast each morning with those that they love before they go to work. I had a colleague who worked two full-time jobs. He said, Mark, the smartest thing I ever did was every morning from kindergarten through 12th grade, I would take my son to school. The 45-minute drive, he had my undivided attention. I might have worked too much, but I spent quality time every day for 12 years with my son on the drive on the way to school. We want to make sure that we achieve balance during the day because we come home from work tired and people begin to be less disciplined in the evening. And what about the weekend? What do most successful people do on the weekends? Let me give you a revelation. There are 52 weekends in a year. If you're 40 years old and you live to be 80, you only have 2,000 weekends left. They have to count. You spend all week helping people. The weekends are your time, the one chance to replenish. At my current age as an African-American man, if I live as long as most African-American men live, I have about 500 weekends left. 
they have to count. Or those are some of the only times I have the opportunity to replenish myself. So what do the most successful do? They get up early. Some of you are so exhausted from helping, you like to sleep in every weekend on Saturdays until 4 o'clock in the afternoon, Sundays until 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Then you go to work on Monday morning angry because you feel like you haven't had a weekend. They get up early. The most successful people get some of their chores done during the week so that they can have weekend time for fun and play. They create family rituals which can last a lifetime. For years, every Friday evening, my grandfather would have a Friday night fish fry. We've remembered that for like decades. The most successful people do three activities that are meaningful or fun over the weekend, which last two to three hours each. The last one occurring after Sunday evening at 6 p.m. You want to have fun Sunday evening if you can so that you can roll into work Monday morning energized because you know that you had a weekend. They take nine-hour vacations. You see, your policy procedure manual might only give you two or three weeks of vacation. But if you wanted to, you could take a nine-hour vacation every weekend. Let me illustrate. I love basketball. Living in Chicago, one Saturday I drove to Milwaukee, 75-minute drive. I watched the Milwaukee Bucks basketball game, the college game. They won at the buzzer by one point. Then I went to a bookstore in Milwaukee. I took myself to dinner. Then I watched the Milwaukee Bucks NBA game. I was back home within nine hours. If you could take a nine-hour vacation to replenish yourself from your house, where would you go? What would you do? Mark Twain said, every morning when you wake up, the first thing you should do is eat a live frog, and the rest of your day is guaranteed to be better than that because that's the most disgusting thing you will do all day. As it pertains to time management, what the live frog represents are those activities that you find yourself procrastinating on. So many people who do social services tend to procrastinate on their paperwork, and they can pile up. Some of you might find yourself bringing it home. You might not even do it, but it sort of destroys your weekend because you realize your paperwork is there. And so I recommend that we establish a healthy relationship with paperwork. That might involve not bringing it home and it destroying your weekends. But it might involve uh, figuring out a routine where it's most comfortable to get it done. I have colleagues who listen to music while they do their paperwork, and that makes it easy. Several colleagues told me they start work at 9 a.m., they show up at 8 a.m. and do their paperwork, and then they have the rest of the day to do the parts of their job that they really like. I invite you to take a piece of paper and number the piece of paper one through four. If you were to ask me what's most important to me, without blinking, I would tell you my children. Yet I can't tell you how many times I've walked past one of my children to see if one of you sent me an email or a text message or a phone call. Under one, two, three, and four, what I'd like to ask you to write down are the four things that are most important to you in the world. And I have two stories for you while you continue to write. One day I was downtown Chicago doing a bunch of paperwork. And I decided to get in a cab to go home to do more paperwork. And the cab driver looked at me through a rearview mirror and he told me a story. I have no idea how he knew to tell me this story. He said, can I tell you a story? I said, sure. He said, a man got in my cab and said, roll the windows up, turn the air conditioner on, turn the radio off. Take me to O'Hare Airport. I have a plane to catch. Driver said, yes, sir. He said, sir, would you like me to get in the local lane or express? Get in the express lane. I'm running late. There was traffic in the express lane. The passenger said, get in the local lane. He said, at one point, the passenger pulled out a $100 bill and said to the driver, listen, I'm running late. I have to catch a plane from Chicago to California. If you get me to the airport on time, I'll give you this $100 bill as an extra tip. And the driver says, I can't speed. I'll get a ticket. They argued. 
As soon as they got close to O'Hare Airport, there was a huge gush of black smoke in the air. Turn on the radio, let's hear what happened. They turned on the radio, what they heard. There was an American Airlines flight that had just crashed out of the runway, headed from Chicago to California. The passenger looked at his ticket and saw that it was a flight that he was supposed to be on. He sat back in the seat and he said to the driver, listen, I want you to turn this, take this cab, turn it around and take me to Union train station. The driver said, are you planning to take a train from here to California? He says, no, just put it in perspective for me. I'm taking a train from here to Ohio. That's where my family is at. I didn't know how he knew to tell me that story, but I didn't do any paperwork that night. I played with my son who was three years old at the time. Where you wrote down one, two, three, four, the four things that are most important to you in the world, Yes to each one, I'd like to ask you to write yes or no to the question. Does each of them receive the time and attention from you that they deserve? Yes or no next to each one. Do they receive the time and attention from you that they deserve? The average across the country is two yeses. Some people say one yes. Some social service workers say zero yeses. In other words, they're so busy trying to save the world that what, that which is most important to them does not get any of their attention. There's an experiment that happens in science classes all over the country. The teacher walks into the classroom with a jar filled with rocks. Now the students, is the jar full? So yes, teacher, the jar is full of rocks. Then the teacher takes some gravel and pours it between the creases of the rocks. Now students, is it full? Yes, teacher, it's full. Then the teacher takes some sand and pours the sand between the creases of the gravel and rocks. Now is it full? Yes, teacher. What's next? I was on the college campus. They say, beer. No, not beer. The teacher then takes some water, pours the water between the rocks, the gravel, and the sand. Some of the water falls off on the floor. What's the lesson? Life may be overwhelming sometimes, especially now when we're dealing with COVID-19 and the economic recession. But even if life is overwhelming, at least you put the big rocks in first. And what the big rocks represent are those things that you wrote down that are most important? Many of you keep an appointment book. I encourage you to schedule those things that are most important to you first. Thank you, enjoy your day. Take 10 Podcast is sponsored by the Great Lakes MHTTC through cooperative agreements with SAMHSA. The opinions expressed in this series are those of the speakers and do not represent the official position of SAMHSA or DHHS. Before you go, don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast series, and please follow us on social media for many more products and resources just like this.